scratch my dick with the leg of a cricket and I got triple Jesus's Cassidy on the Siamese twin at the family firing range I went to bed woke up in another man's head ain't nobody so excited that the senator's a fighter, don't you tell me nothing's changed. Retire to the moon. I'm dying. Retire to the moon. Fish from a colorblind witch Cause she said that she loved it I couldn't tell her the part That would break her heart But it loved me She says I think you're getting too far away From your family's house Just to find it She said you should know if you run away And I touch you You're free Listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And it's the return of Keller Williams to our show. We are delighted to have him back. It's also the return of us to our show. Yeah, it's we've uh, we're gonna get our stuff together. We've got some cool changes coming in the show, we'll tell you about in future episodes. But um we are a proud member of the Osiris Media Group, a community of podcasts and listeners that are just, you know, intellectually curious and who like podcasts. And this is the future of music journalism, people. So jump on. I guess if you're listening, you already jumped on. They jumped stay on. Stay on. Stay on. Stay on. I'm real. And and st- listen to other podcasts. Rob, you've been listening. What's uh, one of the biggest podcasts uh, on Osiris? O s i r i s pod dot com. Our listeners know that I have a hankering and a love for Road to Now, which is with uh, Avid Brothers, Bob Crawford and Ben Sawyer, a professor from uh, Tennessee University. And uh, now we have the politics of truth. Which Crawford hosts, and the first episode is already out with Robert Costa of the Washington Post. That doesn't mean he's an extreme Ooh. lefty, folks. So he, how does that? Yeah, was he a, walks us through the Iowa caucus, what went on, and he and he does it from, in my opinion, a pretty unbiased, not not allegiance to any candidate perspective, and I like that. Now, what's it like for? I wonder what. Uh, yeah, I'd be curious what what's like for Bob. Is he? He's an artist, and he's with the Avid Brothers, so he's got a, a a large audience. I mean, how does he balance his opinions and? Uh, and what he puts out there. It's a good question, but as someone who listens to The Road to Now, the opinions come out once in a while, but for the most part, I think it's more even-handed and more history of our country oriented than Hmm. allegiance to pushing an agenda. Although, you know, there's some things that are ridiculous that are going on now that they'll comment on here and there, but for the most part, it's no, it's even-handed. I find that very much so. So you can find that show and many more, all the Osiris podcast uh, podcasts, and, and they've got a YouTube channel, you know, the whole deal. Go to OsirisPod.com, and, and Osiris-wise, yeah, there's, uh, you can also go on Jambase's feed, um, 
Jambase.com has Thank a, you, Jambase. Yeah. So supportive of us and doing great, great work. I just watched Bob Weir with Winona last night. Thanks to Jambase. Really? Um, speaking of Bob Weir, he is one of the upcoming guests on Politics of Truth. So is Warren really? Haynes. And I think we'll get other musicians on there because, I mean, God, it's one of the Avid brothers. So That's turned out to be an interesting show. I'm going to have to listen this week. Yes. Thanks for the heads up, Rob. Yes. And of course... Uh, we are really grateful to Pelé Clark for being a sponsor for us, uh, of us uh, for all this time. A company that began as a boutique music business management firm, and then uh, the, their tour accounting proficiency and multi-state taxation and royalty analysis helped blow the company up. Now they're in athletics and all this kind of stuff, and it is tax season. Seth. So you know what that means, folks. Don't wait till April and get screwed. Get Pelé. And you can get Pelé at Pelé Clark, P-O-L-A-Y-C-L-A-R-K.com. There's nothing like it. So, yes, we're, we're talking about Keller Williams this episode. Keller Williams. It was so nice to have him back. Last time we had him, if you haven't listened, go back. It's our Candler Park episode when he was in town for Candler Park Fest. Uh had uh, Grateful Grass, and we were we were talking in a trailer, and it was a quick interview. This one was more Rob style. This yeah, is this our nice, long, and... Nice, controlled setting, nice, thorough interview with performances. And um, we would be remiss if we didn't find out. If we go to KellerWeems.net shows, you see stuff that's coming up, but he's got he's going to play the... Well, uh, hold Steve- on, hold on. How many... Which project is this? This is solo project? Because he's got like 10 projects, right? Well, he's playing solo at Winter Wondergrass, but then he plays the next night with Keller and the Keels okay. at Winter Wondergrass. You know what I mean? He's also playing Squaw Valley. He's also playing some some neat little... He's playing Bath, New Hampshire. This thing... I'm, I'm a Massachusetts boy. I try to keep up with stuff in New England, even though I don't live there then anymore. Then wouldn't it be Bath? I don't know. <laughs> yes. Bath. The people who say Bath are the people who say songs. Well, wait, what? Oh, that, is that one of his songs. albums? Yes. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, okay. Um, but he's playing Bath, New Hampshire, Jerry Jam, July 17th, and uh, Floyd Fest. If you're a fan of Keller, you should go to Floyd Fest. He coordinates the Super Jams. July 22nd is that. And, of course, Seth. Yes? Have you heard of Duck, North Carolina, the uh, Tap Shack? Uh, yeah, I think I still owe a little bit of money uh, on my bill there. I live in hell. Oh, do you? Well, I've been to your apartment. You're right. <laughs> Aren't you moving out of it because there's roaches? Um, no, it's more there's a leak situation. Oh, leaks. You have and leaks there's in your something place? in the walls. Sometimes in the middle of the night, my dog will bark at the wall. If you're barking at your wall. Is it a ghost? Uh, I think it's, um, no, animals gotten into the wall. And, and I don't want to get into it. I'm moving to another place. I love my complex, but I just need another place within it. So I also want to point out, folks, that we talk about these, these uh, that Keller has three CDs he's just put out in just over the last calendar year. One is Ad, where it's layering and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of new to him. One is Sans, or for you NPR listeners, Sans, and that has no lyrics. That was new for him. But we talk a lot about speed because our great friends and uh, another guy I've gauzed before, Larry Keel mm. and Jenny Keel play on that one. That's the yeah, one day we'll actually release our short interview with Larry Keel that we had. Yeah, we've got some cool stuff with Larry, and we'll do more with them and. Last time I saw Jenny, I gave her a CD of, of him playing with uh, them playing with Jeff Austin. Very nice of you, Rob. We had a nice little moment. She told me a, a cool little story. It's nice hearing these things about Jeff because I did not know him. Uh, but Speed is that CD. Uh, real quick, just want to let you guys know because we, we start diving into covers without really explaining who they are or what they are. In the interview here. Yes. About, yeah. We talk about Joni, a Joni Mitchell song called All I Want, which is from her blue CD that Keller does on the ad CD. We talk about Casey Musgraves. Her song, Slow Burn, from a, song, from a record that did not come out long ago, Golden Hour, but is fantastic. Keller covers that with the keels on the speed. And then Regina Spector, which Keller misidentifies as animals or something like that. It's actually called You've Got Time. It is the um, 
theme song from Orange is the New Black, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly records that someday. And then also the WMDs are a group or one of the side projects with Keller, as I point out and nailed. Um, if he were to do something more than a weekend more in the coming year, it would be with them. That is uh, Keith mostly. String Cheese fans know him, but he's a great bassist even when he's not with SCI. Jeff Sype, you may know from ARU. He is the drummer in that band. He's also played with Trey. Jazz is dead. And Leftover Salmon. And who's the guy who's a fan of Seth trumpeting? Oh, you're talking about Jeff Coffin. Yes. And Gib Droll is a guitarist who plays yeah. with Bruce Hornsby. He's recorded with Greg Humphreys of Dylan Fence and Hobex. Remember yeah, him? Yeah, of course. They, you know, you're not. Can you guess how I know him from? How do I? How do I? How do you? Tallahassee. Come on. How, how do I know him? Oh, that'd be from uh, your boy John Shane, who you're going to Europe with. John Shane, best man at my wedding. Sadly, missed the divorce party, but won't. Also, the only man to go into your apartment and clean it twice. And it. Twice? Gets, yeah, I think he came down twice. One time I know he did. But yeah. he had a hazmat suit and everything. I'll never forget. Yeah, my apartment now is not that. It's not like that. It's it's not organized, but it's not what it used to be. It's still. No, you actually now throw away your salad bags. Whatever the case being. Um, I forgot. I lost my train of thought now, Well, Seth. speaking of trains of thought, we didn't have any trains at the interview at at uh, Terminal West this time, which was nice. But it started up. Go ahead, Rob. The John Shane thing. Just real quick. He won the uh, International Blues Challenge single duo category, which means we'll be going. We, I have done two trips as a tour manager with him to Europe earlier than the decade. We're going back this year. We'll have more about that coming up. But yes, we were doing this Keller Williams interview at Terminal West. There was no opening act. And uh, it <laughs> the night before was Rob's birthday. Yeah. Saw a King Johnson band over at Venkman's. Sorry, Ike Stubblefield Trio at Northside. By the way, thank you, Kirsten and Vankmans, for taking care of us. We hope to do something more with you in the future with the podcast. Yeah, but I like the space. It's definitely worth uh, looking at doing something live. But uh, Seth got hammered. Seth celebrated my birthday more than I did. Too, but so I Seth- was hurting. The, the point is, I was hurting at this interview. I was hurting, um, but it so was we- so nice because it started. <laughs> it started the interview with a little bit of sunshine in the room, and then the clouds came in. It got a little dark, and just. We eased into the night, and it got by the end. It was like dark. You, and Seth nice. doesn't say much. It's beautiful, and we're in the. As I, I was starting to say, that no opening act means we get the green room for the opening act, which is nice and more conducive to performance. Which I like interview performance so much more than just interview. Yeah, that's 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 true. Speaking of interviews, uh, what do you say? Well, Seth, I think now's the time. I think we should just get a couple ladies and cuddle by the fire and. Listen to us talking to the great, eclectic, and wonderful, spirited, chameleon of jam, Keller Williams.
Seth was like, uh, I feel like I'm going to die young this morning. I'm like, a little too late to die young, Seth. Right, Keller? Mm. A little too late to die young. So it's been said. <laughs> All right, so we're rolling. I'm going to just ease in. <clears throat> yeah, well, how's, how's things? How's the fam? Everybody's doing well. We're hanging loose. Uh, kids are way into uh, the theater. Really? Yeah, super, okay. super into theater. My, my daughter's done... I don't know about eight plays. My son's done about three or four, and uh, we have uh, a couple really great companies uh, in, in Fredericksburg theater companies um, that you have to audition for. And oh, yeah. A lot of times, it's like eighty kids in a show, and there's still like fifty kids that that get cut. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a big, a lot of folks going out. <clears throat> for that so my one weekend off which was last weekend uh we did a giant broadway kind of marathon we took the train in new york and went and saw little shop of horrors which stars um the guy who played jonathan gruff i don't know his name but the kids are like freaking out he pl- he's played the original <laughs> king in Hamilton, he's on the soundtrack on the okay. Hamilton thing, and he also is the voice of Sven in Frozen, um, or you know the guy with the. I, I'm not sure. I think it's Sven. It's not the. It's not the uh, the the deer, <clears throat> the antelope, which is possibly named Sven. But anyway, we saw that, and then the next day, we saw an illusionist at eleven. And then we saw Mean Girls, which is a play written by Tina Fey oh. at two. Oh, so it's not like off of the movie Mean Girls. Separate from the movie. It separate. is a play based on the movie. Okay. And Tina Fey wrote it and her husband did all the music. And it's, you know, really, really funny and rated, you know, TVMA. <clears throat> uh, and then uh, 530 saw the most amazing Broadway show I've ever seen. I've seen a lot. And that was called American Utopian with David Byrne. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. How creative can one person be? Uh, And that's how, you know, this empty stage with, you know, uh, outlined in a chain, in chains, you know, to where you you can't really see. But in order to come out, you're going to have to, you know, put the chains out. And they're all dressed in gray and all barefoot, and it's like six drummers, as if uh, like a marching band kind of drummer, but playing as if it was two drummers, like one on a kit and oh. one on a percussion oh. kit. But everybody had like a um, harness type of. Is, <clears throat> is that the same thing that he toured with, or is this like a derivative of that? Do you know, because he did that tour. He toured it. Um, I read in the in the playbill that you know. He toured it for a long time, and it was very much uh, a concert where mm-hmm. people came to party. And uh, the Broadway aspect really uh, gets people to sit down and focus on the uh, the actual art and choreography. Yeah, it's really, really unbelievable. No, I, got, I got hip to that in advance. That's why I didn't go to the festival play. 
He came and he played a festival here. He did Shaky Knees. And then he came back and played, played the Fox. Yeah. The oh, Fox yeah. And I got great. to see him. Robert Kwan got me tickets right up front. It was so... Was that the uh, one with the chains? The, the, mm-hmm. Was that the same one with the chains? Yeah. And, it had to, and the, the shadows in the back. The yeah. lighting. Yeah. The lighting is incredible. Yeah. But so I didn't realize that that was now a Broadway. Yeah. Because, so <clears throat> that's, that makes sense though. Yeah. And it was originally, I think, uh, a six week thing and it got extended. See Billy Joel, you know. I haven't. No, no. <laughs> no, I'm saying like this with like Billy oh, Joel. Oh yeah, is that is Billy that... would come down to Miami in the '80s and be like, you know, book two weekends. Next thing you know, it's four weekends. Next thing you know, it's eight months. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, doesn't he play like Fifty Nights at the Garden or something? Yeah, I think he's yeah. It does like the house. I mean, he's the house band at the Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Fish. I don't know where Fish. to say about that. <clears throat> well, yeah. Oh man, I think doesn't Billy Joel have Fish Beat in yes, the he does, Garden yeah. Place? Yeah. I mean. He... I think they're neck and neck. No, neck no, 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 no. Because, Bill, because Billy does like multiple, like a year. I know. Fish, Fish had like, that seventeen year. 17 oh, oh, the Baker's. Oh, right, right, right. You know, they almost did twenty. I'm told they almost Jeez. did twenty this year, and then they turned it into. I now could, they're going to go could, everywhere because they have a record could coming. Could be exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to finish that Saturday in Broadway, the the fourth show of the day was uh, Freestyle Love Supreme, which is. Uh, um, before Hamilton, there was this other uh, play that Lin-Manuel had written. And then before that, it was this improv rap group called Freestyle Love Supreme. Wow. And uh, and yeah. they're doing six weeks at the Booth Theater on Broadway. And it's all improv. And you, they, uh, they get, uh, you know, words from the audience and create these masterpieces, you know, around... Uh, the words from you know the audience, <clears throat> and it's you know created a long time ago by uh, by Lin Manuel Miranda, and he apparently shows up. Uh, and then what was uh, and then Sunday it was the the Django Reinhardt uh, brunch with Stefan Rimble uh, at the Blue Note, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, um, my wife and daughter went to. Waitress, which is a um, a really popular uh, Broadway hit that my daughter sings songs from, you know, for auditions and stuff. So she gets to see that. And my son and I went to the play that goes wrong. You heard of that? Uh, and it's a fantastic play. It's a murder mystery, but the focus is on the slapstick comedy of all the sets and everything falling down and. People missing their lines and entire, entire, you know, light truss fall. You hang off the light truss and that swings back and forth and everybody's okay. And then they continue on with the play. And Sounds very Andy Kaufman-esque. <clears throat> no, it's not that deep. It's not that, <laughs> it's not that, uh, it's more Buster Keaton. Okay. Uh, yeah. Have you seen Hamilton? Where? Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw it on Broadway uh, on, <clears throat> on a Wednesday a matinee. So it was like, it was after Lynn Manuel Miranda, and it was the understudy of the new guy. But I did see it. It's pretty captivating. Huh? Oh my God, yeah. Well, I mean, I knew every word going into it because my kids uh, uh, memorized all the words, all, even the bad ones. Was it uncomfortable with the kids when the Tina Fey stuff got body a little bit? Uh, when the Tina Fey in Mean Girls, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Were the kids at that with you? Um, yeah, yeah. So you get well, uncomfortable when it gets a little risque? I, uh, we knew going in. We so you had to talk. We knew going in, and and the <clears throat> the best thing about Mean Girls was 
it was very much a kind of an improv going to that because we let out uh, from our illusionist at one thirty, <laughs> and it was like you know. 32 degrees with the wind blowing and our next show was David Byrne at 5.30 Mean Girls was across the street um, and my, my you know my kids and my wife they're like total like buffs and there is a girl <clears throat> who won something on television 19 year old from Charlotte North Carolina and uh, and won something on, on some kind of star search or something <clears throat> And just for fun, went to an open audition for Mean Girls while this was happening, and she got casted as the lead. And so my 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 kids and my mom, my mom, my that kid's mom, uh, my wife knew that, and so they went in and you know as a matinee, wanted to make sure that she was playing the role because if she wasn't, then we weren't going to do it. And if she was, do you have seats? And they did. So. Yeah. They release a lot day of, right? Typically um, the weekdays. <clears throat> I'm told that when you can walk in and get seats before the show, that means the play's starting to run its course, and it's time for the uh, st- the traveling production. Well, I had an ex who, would, who was into Broadway, and we would go to this kiosk right near Times Square, and yeah. we could get half-price tickets. Yeah, yeah. I uh, We took a, a high school trip, I think when I was a senior, maybe junior or senior, I don't remember. And I went to New York City with my parents before that. And I took my guitar for the, we had like 40, 45 minutes free. I ran over there and took my guitar. And uh, just little <laughs> short hair preppy white kid playing guitar uh, in, in, in that little square while people waited in line for those tickets. You know, I would go right to there because people were just standing in line for those tickets. And I made like 13 bucks in, like, in, in change. Prepped you for dead tour. Yeah. <laughs> you ever go to La Fontaine? No, I haven't. <clears throat> I've heard the tapes, though. Yeah, it was a fun time. Folks, in case you're wondering, we're sitting here with uh, a man who's still prolific after all these years, Aww. Mr. Keller Williams. Just over the last calendar year, you've released three excellent records. Mm. The first of which, Sands, or if you're an NPR listener, Psalms. Love it. Psalms. <clears throat> I go with each. <laughs> and it's that because it's for the first time without lyrics. That's Which I initially, when I first heard that, I was like, that's probably the toughest record he ever made. But then I heard in an interview it was quite the opposite. And that the bass player you've worked with for a long time, I'm not, I don't have notes right now, but <clears throat> no, he was a key part of it. Danton Bowler, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, the Sands record, uh, I'm American, so I, and I don't really listen to a whole lot of NPR, so I say Sands and not Sans. But the Sans... Uh, Sands, obviously, it's uh, you know without lyrics, and uh, I n- always loved instrumental music. Never thought of myself uh, as confident a guitar player to pull it off, uh, uh, you know, without lyrics. Uh, you know, usually those types of uh, uh, albums have a lot of melodies being played on the guitar, and I'm more of a rhythm thing. So I kind of, after you know, a lot of mental debate. Um, grabbed a bunch of forgotten instrumental songs that I've recorded uh, just as a solo and to put them down and um, built those songs around it. And Danton Bowler on bass is a complete monster and will be studied long after he's dead 
and will be way more appreciated later, I think. When you say you would like write a song and then send him music and then he would send stuff back to you, right? And you said that he sometimes sent too many tracks. Is it just he has this active mind and he's giving you all these different looks to choose from on the same piece? Yeah, sometimes it's on two different bases. A lot of times it's on different bows, and that I can't tell the difference at all. But he can. He can hear every little every little thing. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it was. Um, we we did a record called uh, 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 Sync. Uh, with a group called Quattro that was him on Danton Bowler on bass Rodney Holmes on drums Gib Drill and myself on guitars <clears throat> and um, we did it just like that too I, I would do my part to a click and send it to the drummer and he would you know do that and then the bass player would put his track on it would take you know weeks you know months to pull it off but the second one this, the first one was all microphone, but the second one, we've got a, a direct line and a microphone. And, uh, man, that really made a difference. And, yeah, he's definitely sent a lot of tracks, and there were some that we might have pulled little pieces out of and stuck them in. I'm just playing around, playing God with this music, taking liberties with my music. <laughs> but it's out of your comfort zone, and you're a bit of a perfectionist in the studio, right? You can hear a little something that drives you crazy, and you want to take it out or add something, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, if I listen to it too much. So being taken out of your comfort zone to do instrumental only, did that amplify your um, that side of you? No, I've, I've been a, a huge lover of electronic music, and, and with Sands, I was trying to put out something that I would listen to. Usually what I uh, play and release is different from the types of music that I listen to. So I was trying to get a little bit closer into that realm of something that I personally would listen to. So I kind of was incorporating a lot of these older tunes, uh, changing them around to fit kind of these beats. And uh, it was it was not definitely not out of my comfort zone. Okay. It was definitely exciting. I mean, without the lyric, without the vocal. That well, seems I, to me like it would be a completely <clears throat> different uh, canvas. Yeah. I think the problem, the only problem there is the folks that are used to the lyrics and not fans of instrumental music like my wife. She can't really understand, you know, she can't, she doesn't hold her attention unless there's, unless there's words. And I'm sure she's not alone, you know. These are, you know, talk radio folks that are, you know, listen to music because other people put it on. Well, or a lot of people listen to music for familiarity, just for a familiar chorus. Too. Right, and right. Those tend to not be instrumental music types, except maybe Birdland. You can sing along with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could sing along to a go-go uh, by uh, uh, Schofield? Schofield and uh, Modesky Martin yeah. and Wood. I love that album. Taste. I uh, but What's the next one? Um. <laughs> <laughs> you do Bubble House. <laughs> do you know Bubble House? <laughs> 
No, but seriously, the next record is Add, which I assume is because you're you're adding to the recording. There's a lot of sound. Yes, yes, you're exactly. We've done. You've listened. I've done this interview before, and you've read it, haven't you? <laughs> That's how you know all this. Well, well, I believe. Listen, <laughs> listen, are you I coming believe, out? Are you figuring this out on your own? I believe on I, headphones. Have I talked to you already about this? <laughs> Not about this record. We've. Oh. This is all since we last talked. Okay, good. But I'm in. I'm which in your was, mind. Which was in. Uh, 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 here in the in a trailer, yeah, at the uh, and Candler Candler Park Fest, and yeah. what uh, was that? Grateful Go- Grateful Grass, yeah, with yeah, Ali. Ali. Okay, okay, yeah, it was a couple, and a couple of the honor ago. guys. Got it, got it. It was, was it? no Petty's more recently. This was this, <clears throat> was, yeah. but this wow, was man. when we talked. Yes. yes, the most recent one was Petty, and that was our first actual Petty Grass show together. Was that? And then uh, that one, that was a good one. That was the John um, from Railroad Earth on. Mm-hmm. Mandolin. That's... I didn't know that was your first Pettigrass at Canada. I had no oh, idea. Oh yeah, this past one, yeah. Now Man, you guys delivered. We had we had gotten together in a Airbnb outside of DC uh, and spent about thirteen hours together uh, playing, you know, Tom Petty songs and you know, figuring out which ones we were gonna do and well I knew exactly which ones we were gonna do. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> I knew exactly which ones we were going to do and exactly which ones we were not going to do. You know, mm. <clears throat> I'm picky like that. I'm an artist. <laughs> but add you add. Okay. You're, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're adding layers to it. Like the end of I believe, as I was saying, is like a headphone. Wonderful. <laughs> How did you do that? All right, let's think about it. Uh, uh, I know it's two records ago now, and you're probably working on your. The, and we think about it. <laughs> Um, I did it exactly like this. Then we put it left and right, and you know, I think it's like different tracks. I think we were doing harmonies and stuff, and at the end of the harmony tracks, I would do a different one, so there'd be like several, and then we kind of pluck them out and put them silly. And it's it's pretty well known that when you do covers, you <coughs> actually reinvent them and make them your own. But are you in the mind of what the song's originally written about when you sing them, like Fiona Apple Criminal? You know what that's about, right? Well, uh, cheating. We're just using your attractiveness for gain. Oh, is that what it's about? Yeah, oh, I think so. Oh. Well, is this what you think? Or she is doesn't this what even you play read? the song anymore. If she played it, oh. it would be like Box of Rain and Hampton at this point. Oh. Do the... Look out of my window in the morning. Oh my God! You were at that one. Um, I was at the Warlocks. Yeah, I was at that. That was the best set of music I ever saw them play. The playing Uncle John's playing Dark Star when Jerry yeah. just learned the, the the stuff, the MIDI stuff. Uh, my favorite was like the Bird Song at the end of the first set. The Help Slip and the Dark Star were definitely amazing. Then, but the uh, that was I, I thought I think that was the breakout of the uh, the MIDI stuff. Yeah, well the. I know you were at this one too because you've been in every Deer Creek from the song. Uh, in '89, he was doing it just during space. And oh, actually, that first Deer Creek show was the first time he tried it on a song, and it was China Doll. Ah. And if you listen, it freaks out at one point. With and that's li- why we get a Brent solo on China uh, Doll. That never happened uh, any other time. All right, that was and the then first Deer Creek. and then so that was in in the summer. Summer, and then so that was so later on the fall. It. He kind of like yeah. dials it in. Oh my God! The Dark and Star is the most it wonderful was, thing. Well, it was like bird song, I think, where it's like all of a sudden there's this flute, and it's like, you know, I was 19, and I I was going to college in uh, uh, in Norfolk, 
uh, Virginia Wesleyan College. It's right on the border of Norfolk and Virginia Beach. So I was there, you know. I was they they released the tickets to that show uh, a week early only locally only locally and we were going to uh, every day we'd go to Western Union and pick up money from people <laughs> and go buy tickets <laughs> and every day we did it you know yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well the harder ticket wasn't even the dark star the, the Sunday night was the hard ticket oh I I found mine like a half hour before they started and I was oh. I usually didn't go without tickets yeah but then the Monday was the one. But let's get back to Ab. Because mm, 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 mm. like, uh, like Joni Mitchell's song, which, yeah. which is a mystifying three verses that I... It's about grass is always green on the other side of the relationship tank, maybe. I don't know. She's All, all she wants is a different thing in each sort of... All, it's all she wants is... is uh, it's like when you're in a relationship, you want the freedom. When, you, when, you're, yeah. when you're free, you want the relationship. Right. Are, are you thinking that at all? Or I'm you just... thinking. I'm. Uh, you know. I, I. I'm afraid to dive into the philosophy of songs. Um, sometimes, it, especially the songs that I write, and people are like, "That's what's that about?" And then I'll explain it, and they'll be like, "Oh shit!" You know. But and I so it's better. Now. It's now. It's better. It's better for. I don't know. I, I always like the. You know, she's on the lonely road and she's traveling and. And uh, and she wants this to be good, and and uh, she wants him to be happy. You know, it's great that you shine a light on that. Or well, her. But to, to that point, though, when you're uh, when you're doing a cover like that, do you get into the psychology of what their interpretation was and all that, or are you just taking and reinterpreting <clears throat> with it what you want? Well, lyrically, it's got to catch me, and it's got to like entrap my brain as a slave. Uh, and 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 that's the only reason I do covers is because they get caught in my head, and uh, they I can't get them out, you know. And I have to like learn them and play them and record them and perfect them, and then I can ignore them. <laughs> but if without without doing that, it'll it'll take it'll take me over, you know, uh, mentally, and that's not good. And I and uh, my wife points out that I'm definitely in the right field uh, professionally for this uh, problem to be occurring. <laughs> <laughs> like right now, it's uh, Animals by uh, Regina Spector, and it's the uh, theme song to Orange is the New Black. Animal, animal, try, try, try till the cage is full. Cage is full, stay away. Dark, count mistakes. Lights are off, now they're on. Searching underground for a bit of sun. Sun is up, sky is Everybody wait, waiting on you and you. Die, time, die.
Yeah, uh, the Joni Mitchell thing I've always loved, and I've always, um, you know, I, I like. <clears throat> I didn't stray too far away from her, um, from her arrangement, but I, I did, I, you know, skipped a couple beats and kind of made it more of like, oh, there's like a, a bar of seven here that goes back that's not necessarily there on the original, but uh, I think she would dig it if she heard it. That's that's what I think. Well, moving on to the third record of the three. <laughs> also, your third with Carolina Keels, but I'm going to kind of stay on that same subject mm-hmm. because I've mm-hmm. gotten so much feedback and heard about you from people I don't normally because of the Casey Musgraves cover. Which is oh, one yeah. Of, that is a strong track. Thanks, that man. That is one of your best tracks ever. It is just fantastic. Oh, that's nice. I appreciate that. Are you, have you gotten feedback from her, from her fans or anything? No. Any Has she no, been sent it? I've just, uh, I've just, there's been a recent article that focused on that. You probably, you might've seen it too. Uh, but I, that, that's the only thing that I know is that people were, this, this writer was writing, uh, you know, as a, like a letter to Casey Musgrave fans to listen to this. And it's different from her thing, but you know, I'm going to do my thing. I'll make it all right. You know? And even if that's, you know, takes all night. And it's like that, that, that whole record, the whole keels, this uh, speed record is obviously, because of the amount of covers, you know, we didn't really have a lot of original material to think about. Uh, we could have had we taken time and go on what we call fishing trips, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we go on, we go place, we go place where there's fishing and there's tripping and there's and, and there's song, lots of songwriting, you know, fishing trips. Uh, and we always talk about doing that, but we've never been able to pull that off because of our schedules. <clears throat> so, this one, uh, exactly like the other two Keels records, is just an, an excuse to hang out with them. Now, take take us back for a minute, though. What's your, what's the story? Uh, like, how did you guys connect in the first place years ago? Was T Dog part of it? Who? T Dog, Thomas Helen? I guess not. T Dog, Tom yeah. who? Thomas Helen. That's who I first heard of. Larry Keel was Thomas Helen was booking him here in Atlanta. I just moved oh down no no no! So I was hope, hope, wishful thinking. I'm sorry. Oh no no problem no problem. Where would I be without wishful thinking? <clears throat> Probably well. I'll keep my mouth shut. I want to say 1991, Fredericksburg, Virginia, Irish Brigade. I'm running a Monday night open mic night, and Larry comes in. Weird or no beard? Who? Larry. Uh, I think at this point he had a mustache, right. <laughs> or maybe maybe a tight beard, but I think it was either a tight beard or a mustache. But he had. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. Um, he um, <laughs> he so came in. He came in with a band called Fizzawa. Now uh, he was with a band at the time called McGraw Gap. Fantastic, Dr. John Flower on bass, Danny Nicely on mandolin, Willie on banjo, Larry on guitar. This was his side project called Fizzawa, and it was a dude with a upside down uh, bar stool. And a djembe placed in the bar stool, and he's playing like that. Okay, and then <laughs> I think it's another guy on guitar, and then um, 
I don't remember who else was in the band, but it was definitely like a side project that he was taking to open mics and stuff. And that's how I met him. And uh, and then he turned me on to McGraw Gap, and I started hanging out with them, and uh, they were established, and I started opening for them in little areas. And uh, then I moved to Colorado in 95. They came out to Colorado, and I did an opening run with them out there. And um, that's kind of how, how it rolled, you know, kind of organically uh, uh, in the early 90s with Larry. Grass was the first record. Yeah. Had that, um, the Pink Floyd cover mm-hmm. that got a lot of airplanes serious. That's one take. That was one take, really? Yep. One take, yep. All live in the studio uh your buddy's studio up in Fredericksburg yeah 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 we we had done uh you know several songs several times and we took a lunch break and then we came back in all right and ready and turned the lights down and the and Jeff in the control room turned the lights down and had little candles going yeah it was a one take <laughs> a little history what about Uncle Disney? You remember recording that? That's for Thief. That's the next one. Yeah. But we're big Patterson Hood people. Oh, man. Yeah. That, well, the original Patterson Hood thing is just so raw and, and real. Uh, it's almost like this microphone I'm talking to on the other side of the, the room, and Patterson just kind of sitting in a cornea. It's just like, and you know, oh, it's just so, it's so incredible. Uh, but yeah, uh, we would play, I would sing and we would all play live. And then later the keels would come back and overdub their harmonies one by one. But the music and my voice is always done live on all the keels, on the three, the three keels records. And that keeps it, you think, fresh and lively? That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that keeps the session at like three days. <laughs> so, so you are sitting there with the guitar, and we haven't asked you to play yet. Would you would you <clears throat> play the the original piece from Speed that you the, the one that references Lion King at the end? It has a funky name. What's the name of it? Medulla Bangata. Yeah, and is that any uh, is that any tribute to Colonel Bruce Hampton? You know, it could be. Because <laughs> that's uh, that was uh, his line in. Um... In a sling blade. Oh, was it? Yeah. Also, he would say that often. Did you know him? <laughs> did you ever meet the colonel? I did. <clears throat> so before I do this one, I guess I should just read you the lyrics to the the Colonel Bruce tribute that I that I wrote. <clears throat> I, yeah, the music is not quite there yet, uh, nor is is the lyrics. Uh, however, uh, I got up with Sype and got actual quotes. Uh, you got Bruceisms. I got Bruceisms, <laughs> yeah. and they're not going to make sense to anyone <laughs> except for the Colonel Letts. Sipe, Herring, O'Teal. This is well. This is that. This is things that he would say. Uh, 
and only they would understand and I bent a little a little bit of words just to make it rhyme um, poetic license <clears throat> Uh, so take that in mind. These are all Bruceisms, okay? Uh, so you're he- you're hearing this first, and it, because I'm in Atlanta, I, th- I feel you know that it's it's important. Let's say it's Colonel Bruce died on stage at a show that was held to honor him. How else could a soul like that go any other way? He embraced the strange and was okay when the music went astray. If he were here today, this is what he might say. Bredo Ganib, Bredo Ganib, Mother Teresa, Kenny G. Bredo Ganib, Bredo Ganib, Message from Saturn, Canoeist, Universal Peace. Bredo Ganib, Bredo Ganib. Would you rather eat, sleep, or have glue? Bredo Ganib, Bredo Ganib. Message from Saturn, Universal Peace Canoeist. In the year of in the year of O Tad, when Crabe became Crobe, and factories manicured stale salt lugs. And the utensil oceans prevailed, and then came the sixes. And the sensitive film realized cabbage. Pure music comes from the butt. Platorming people platorm through transposition. A pure music comes from the butt. Saturn returns to clean you up. Pure music comes from the butt. Saturn prepares you for adulthood. Pure music comes from the butt. Lucid platorm at the end of platorm. Brado ganib, brado platorm. In a word that describes a person in a trance-like state of being without reactive thoughts, you see them at a bus stop, train stations, airports, long lines, driving, institutions. Saturn returns to clean you up (laughs) and, and get you ready for adulthood. In the year of Otad, when Cray became Crobe, Brado Ganib, Brado Ganib. Yeah, it's got a lot of work, but yeah, no, that's, I'm, I'm on the right train, you uh, know. Yeah. And I'm thinking that it's not beautiful. It's it's interesting. It's art. It's out. And I'm thinking um, the only people that are going to get it is Jeff Sipe, O'Teal, Jimmy Herring, um, 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 uh, Matt Mundy, who apparently is retired. Uh, he's a mandolin player, and uh, I'm thinking if you know I can put together a sketch of this song <clears throat> and send it to them, I can get those heavy hitters on a track to. Oh, I think so. To and that's that's my idea. I like it. And you heard it here first. And just know if it never happens that it didn't happen, <laughs> and, and it failed miserably. And they they thought they probably thought I'm crazy. But those are actual quotes from, from yeah, the man. They are. Just a little bit of weed 
serotonin bouncing around in the cerebellum. Don't take much, no, not a lot to massage my medulla oblongata. Medulla oblongata and cold corn liquor in the shade by the river. Give me that sweet deep clean in my liver. Finish the chores, the apparition spar Out back in the parking lot behind the bar With the dancing ghosts, spirit revenues Don't you diss the hosts of the spirit moonshiners Learn their jig at a glance, spirit moonshiners So I joined in their dance, said the spirit revenues I'm afraid of snakes, not helicopters I like my clowns with some big ass choppers Police make me nervous even when I'm right Unless I get a ride after five at night With the dancing ghosts Spirit revenue Don't you diss the host Spirit moonshiners Learn to jig at a glance Spirit moonshiners So I joined in the dance at the spirit revenuers They see her choreography that was tailored to me. If I dance was a song, it would be perfect harmony. Our moves create that sweet energy that powers the still that fills the jars at will. For the dancing ghosts, the spirit revenues, don't you diss the host. The spirit moonshiners learn to jig at a glance. Spirit moonshiners, so I joined in their dance. Said the spirit revenues, bit of weed and serotonin bouncing around in my cerebellum don't take much no not a lot to massage my medulla oblongata medulla oblongata acuna matata oblongata nice now of course some songs you labor over some songs come to you Right away. Where does that fall on the spectrum of that? Um, it's more like a writing assignment, you know. Uh, it's not definitely not a labor uh, situation. It's more of like um, fiction uh, forcing, kind of forcing a song, so to speak. And, and nine out of ten never uh, survive. 
when you force it, you know, it comes up. Oh, I did it! I did it! I had a uh, two verses, uh, chorus. You know, start on the chorus, two verses, chorus, bridge, chorus out. You know, I did it, and then it just dies. You just oh, that song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, this one survived. <laughs> this one survived, and uh, and and it was uh, specifically uh, this record. You know, was the inspiration behind it. You know, I've never drank more moonshine with any other people than Larry and Jenny Keel so and uh, the moonshiners and the revenuers you know there's it's an interesting situation there so did you drink it fast is that where speed the title comes from no moonshine? no we just like to go we just like to play really fast and uh, I feel that the more slower you play when you get older the more older you're going to be. Hmm. Um. So the venue you play at can be a big factor. And uh, Ira was telling me he just saw you at a place out in the Southwest. Oh, Meow Wolf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Tell us about that room. Mm. Mm. It's, um, you know, on, on, on the stage, it's not really different from a lot of other rooms just imagine like um, um, if you go to Disney World or you go to Universal you go to the Harry Potter World I got kids you know we'd fucking spend a lot of time there it's imagine like a, a Harry Potter set you know uh, with a stage mm-hmm. kind of like that you know it's kind of like a, um the Shakespearean era, you know, where you, you know, bring out your dead or you, <laughs> you throw in garbage into the street, you know, you kind of see people open their shutters and throw garbage down. And, well, it's uh, nice to see like a venue shaping, changing shape like that, though, because yeah. most venues, are, I mean, there's a lot of the Terminal West, this venue here, it's really nice, but it's a venue. Yeah. Um, I see. I, like, I go back to thinking like we're missing out. Like our generation's missing out on the fact that when my parents went to see movies, the, the, they went to theaters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so so similar in the venues. You know, like venues now are just a bar and stage and with right. lights. Shut the lights off. off. To right. add all that other art and, and yeah. to make it special place. I, I just think I that's mean the, right on. the whole entire place. It seems like is covered in art. You know, like even like the walls and the halls as you're walking around have little messages and stuff. I don't think that people just write on, you know, you don't see like penises on the wall like you do in, <laughs> in other venues. And then, oh, you ever call one of those numbers? No, no, but... And I back, did once and I'm like, Mom? <laughs> in backstage, yeah, that's good, good one. How you doing? It's just, her name was her name, Jenny. At least, uh, at least you called me. <laughs> hey, hey, I gotta do something to get you to call me. Uh, and it worked. How you doing, Seth? Listen, I can squeeze you in. Sorry. Um, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, and regular like uh, rock clubs. You go in the backstage, and there's you know awful artwork of penises uh, on the wall. And uh, uh, you know what they say is you can't draw a crowd, draw a penis. So. I guess that's where that came from. <laughs> anyway, Meow Wolf was not penises, and it was definitely uh, uh, the venue was kind of like something 
and like an added bonus to the place. It wasn't really the focus, you know. Did it affect your song selection at all? Um, no, more the jams, you know, a lot more like uh, um, trippier uh, jams because it seems like that was a a place where people like to travel to and do psychedelics. Now, people here, like in, in Atlanta, they, at the end of a show, if they want more, they'll end up doing like the the you know the Braves chop and things like that. And oh, I wonder God. there, do they do? Uh, do they people meow for more? Oh no, I know I meowed a lot. Did you? I, it'd be like <laughs> meow, meow, meow. That's kind of what I did: meow and uh, wolf, you know, and all in the same breath. Meow. Yes, I think I would like that of those triplets. Uh, six, maybe six times in the two sets, I did that probably. Maybe, maybe, maybe two times, uh, four, five, maybe five times too many. <laughs> what other unusual rooms have you played? Because you're in that unique spot where you can play a wide range of rooms. You must have, you must have been in some pretty cool and different places. Uh, well, the caverns. I got to mention the caverns. Oh, yeah. You did a three night thing there, right? Yeah, I did. I did. Is that the original one or the new no, one? No, the original one. Uh, uh, was close by, I think, in the similar. Uh, yeah, they're all in the same. They're like, chain. yeah, we don't know. Uh, the original one, I think, was the seventh largest area in that chain. Uh huh. So there were, you know, other places that were much bigger that they could have done it, but I think it was deeper in. And yeah, this was, it was deeper. This was like three hundred and thirty-three feet down, and. and you know, it's a nice little like golf cart uh, path walk down, and a lot of you know the people that couldn't walk or were older, you know, they got carted down. But really special uh, place with the these pools and the lights in the pools, and you get down there, and it's really cold and uh, beautiful. The original owner, I think, had a uh, got a chandelier from one of the uh, Broadway theater that was closing down a long time ago. And rode up there and got it. It's beautiful, secured in this thing, and they do uh, tours, you know, all through. Uh, so when you're sound checking, people are taking tours through it. And then the second one, I think, was kind of like a locals hangout for years, uh, where people would take their four wheelers down, and uh, they'd be like a little crawl space to where you can go all through it. And what they did was they excavated it out to where. At one time, the crawl space, you could lay on your back and touch the ceiling uh, where, the, where the stage is now. And so now that's all been chipped down, and they created kind of like this cavern, which is really cool. It's always like 60 degrees, maybe 58 degrees in there with yeah. 99% humidity. So it's chilly, but it's always wet and kind of dripping. <laughs> wow. It's interesting. It's really that that's a really interesting room for sure. Yeah. And what was your three night event there? The what? three night was uh the first night was uh a solo set and then Pettygrass. And then the second night was solo set more than a little, which is the funk band. Yes. And then the third day was uh, like a gospel afternoon with Grateful Gospel. Shout out to Jam Bass. Great piece on Keller. And they talk about when Victor sat in with that summer oh, camp. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, at uh, summer camp. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That was a, I think mm. it's Chad yeah. who wrote that one. Mm. I got to say, though, I'm impressed with how you've 
developed your career to be able to do all those different things and it's got to keep things interesting for you and fun it, it really does and i and i feel very lucky and uh i feel like i'm allowed to do it you know yeah. i'm feel like i i'm uh, uh people are, are are allowing me to do it by by still pr- you know pr- promoting it and coming to shows and if they didn't then i wouldn't be able to do that so it's and you, like i'm do you like keeping that. that flexibility though for like when you like you know when you're looking at your summer um, not to do Grateful Grass at every festival and to kind of mix it up, or are you just taking what's coming your way? I definitely take the offers that uh, uh, help the the nut. You know, the, we have a, you know, uh, I have two kids and we live in a house, and you know, so there's a certain you know yeah, certain yeah. number we have to hit. But uh, I love changing it up and mixing it up. I am, however. You know, if they ha- if they want to do four big festivals with Grateful Grass with different bands, I'll do that too. Um, and it took a minute to get there, you know, uh, to be you know more than happy to do that. It, it's a little sluggish at first, uh, you know, even with the Pettygrass, just kind of like I, entering into a new kind of novelty genre. But at the same time. At the end of the day, it's just super fun, and everyone's singing along, and it's uh, it's kind of why I do it, you know. At the end of the day, and then yeah, I just kind of like have to get by all that artistic integrity bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many logistics in in, in what it, what act you. I mean, you're up to what eight or eight or ten different uh, things that people could book. Now, I don't point. know. I don't know. I I would say it's a good solid four or five. That's tight. You know, if you go eight and ten, and you're gonna stretch, but uh, I would say the the WMDS thing we just did out in um, in Colorado for the first time in five years. That's Gib, Gib, Jeff, yeah, Jeff yeah, yeah. and Keith, Keith. Mosley, yeah, and myself on electric, and uh, and then there's also the trio of me on bass and Gib and and Jeff. Uh, like a super power trio we've done that twice this year I've never seen that one yeah that's really that's really special because you know Gibb is the solo guitar player and he gets to really levitate and he levitates with WMDS too and I'm sure he levitates with with Bruce but not as much as with me Mm -hmm. because I you know (laughs) I don't have a you know I don't I don't contain him you're levitation friendly I am levitational friendly. Yeah, That's a good way to be. And how did it feel uh, this summer doing the uh, revisiting "Breathe" on stage? Oh, that was string incredibly cheese. exciting! Incredibly exciting. I was very, you know, nervous about it, and um, I was going off of someone else's set list. I was their set list all over the place, and some people <laughs> have, some people have different set lists. They're not playing on all songs, and then uh-huh. I. I skipped blatant ripoff, and so we played it, but it wasn't in the, it wasn't in sequence, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, that's one of those things where I, where my um, my antidepressants come in handy and help me not dwell on moments like that. You know, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. You ha- unless you write out twelve, I think it's your your longest album title. Breathe, <laughs> breathe. Yeah, mm. I think it's still one syllable. All one syllable, but letter-wise, yeah. you have to write out 12. Or else. Oh, right. Okay. little fun fact. Oh, Breathe is the longest-running title. Yeah. Wow. Unless you write out 12. Wow. That's yeah, Keller Williams' fun facts. That's really cool. That is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I told this interview would be fun, Keller. I'm not afraid. So, yeah, can we just talk? Because your wife does the booking. I'm still No, 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 no. Not anymore? Uh, Joshua Knight 
uh, at um, right. But your wife's involved in choosing it, right? She's yeah, definitely yeah, yeah, jo- yeah. Jo- um, Josh and I does the booking, and and then Madison House, Isabel, and Jesse are, are, are on the management team. But uh, and I am the labor, and <laughs> we all work for my wife. You know? <laughs> so, so you're like eight to ten months in advance out usually. Yeah. So is WMDs on that? I mean, well. Uh, uh, Keith has just, it's always, well, it's Gibb too, because Gibb is usually um, committed from like April to October, you know? Is that mostly Hornsby dates? Yeah, it's all Hornsby. Yeah, he's kind of, kind of, but, but also Gibb says that Bruce is so mellow that, and, and Bruce is, is of the, Celebrity, where he can book out three or four months in advance, and people will just clear the schedules or whatever, or he'll go into dark rooms. I don't know, but he's able to book really far, really close out, you know. Um, and and Gibb says he's really mellow in the sense that if there's like you know eight months out, and he says Gibb wants to really do this, and Bruce is like, oh okay, and then they'll book around it, or Gibb will have to fly, you know, the next morning or something, and so he's good like that, but. It's kind of up to Keith usually about his his availability, and he's after this last gig, you know, he's kind of gun ho, and I'm always gun ho, and and my my uh, Josh, the booking agent's always uh, excited about new interesting projects to pitch, which is not necessarily new, but it hasn't been done, you know. So I'm hoping more WMDS uh, in the 2020. Well, all those uh, talent buyers out there, they're, they're listening. They all, they're very, the big, our biggest listenership, right, Rob? Yeah, and this, <laughs> Keller generally plays on weekends, but I think if, if he was going to get back on the road through the week, it would be something like WMDs, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would do that. Sure, sure. Uh, get, them, know, get them all oiled. I was thinking today, you know, if I did three weeks of a tour, you know, playing six nights a week, could I then take four weeks completely off mm. is that possible why not think of the theater you could see in four weeks think you of your wife think <laughs> of uh, i mean yeah I mean, it's all she would say no uh but think of you know how yeah that could have devastating repercussions to my mental health too and my my physical health do you feel like could you play one for your wife what if, if you were to play a song for your wife what Aww. song would it be oh I can't sew without the reap I can't deal without a shuffle I can't play without a pick I can't write without inspiration Like a lump of wax without a wick 
keeping this train moving, yeah. this color train going. Yeah, it's real. All right, I'm going to get bold here now. I have a, a, a Keller Williams uh, a record idea. Is that all right, Seth? Yeah, well, so as long as it's one syllable. C. C? Mm-hmm. At the end of Jerry's career, he got really into sea shanties. Oh. Actually, that California earthquake one was mm-hmm. one of those. He, they were actually already tinkering around with that song, mm-hmm. supposedly, before the earthquake happened. And mm-hmm. then we were there, they played it in Philly. It was pretty powerful. But, I was I was there when they played somewhere, I think it was Charlotte. Yeah, they did it. They opened a show within Charlotte, and they ended the first set with the first time in Philly. Mm. I was at that one because mm. I was heading out to the bathroom. It's like birds on prom night. You think the sense that? And he, Isn't that uh, uh, scene? Is it? I don't know. It goes way back to the oh, I think like the, 18th century. Okay, okay, got it. Got I it. think if you reached out to Bobby and found out what some of those old chanties that Jerry was into and did an album of those. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a good idea. It's something you could lend yourself to. Well, I was right? thinking about a whole different left turn similar to C as well, and call it death. And oh. just all just do all murder ballads. There's so many badass murder ballads oh. out there that are super dark. Uh, but I could like change around and make them funky, and you know. If you did that though, would you do like murder mystery theater like? At your venues? Yeah. No, yeah. no. Like I might, I might do it in the dubstep fashion, though. Oh. <laughs> dubstep, Go Knoxville girl, dark, just like you know, you know. Oh man, there's so many good ones. Well, we do appreciate your time. Yes, um, yes. Do, do you, what? What is coming up? Anything you want to drop on people? This probably won't air for another month or so. <clears throat> what should people know about? No, I'm on the. I guess the 25th physical release, uh, and I'm gonna kind of lay low and let inspiration 
find me and uh, not worry about any records in the future, you know? Um, plus, I finance everything, and we need to, you know, eliminate some of the ceiling, uh, floor-to-ceiling product that's in my basement. Uh, so, um, a lot, you know, 110 shows a year on the weekends, lots of different projects, you know, nothing... Nothing too different about that uh, crazy uh, idea of show business for me. I have no backup plan. I am a whore. I'll go wherever they tell me. Aren't we all? Once you get into this business on any level, you are uh, to some extent a whore, right? And you know, without it, I probably wouldn't wouldn't do well in life. You know, I'm, that's how I'm used to it. I've spent so many years, and I'm so used to it. And the past ten years being the weekend guy, it's really you know, a couple days of decompressing and then, you know, it's fun again, you know? When you, when you look back on that tour, I forget what it was called. It was, it was um, Mule and Galactic and String Cheese and Mo. Mm-hmm. Do you remember playing Mud Island, singing Franklin's Tower, Tower at Mud Island with String Cheese? What state is that? That Mud Island is um, Memphis, Tennessee. It's oh, a, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. In the Mississippi, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that gig. Was that Summer Sessions? Yes, yes that's what it was called. Yeah. What are your members? What are your best memories of that tour? Oh, um, well, if Phil was on eight of those shows, and so there was like eight or ten shows without him, with the with uh, everybody, you know, with everybody, uh, the the people you mentioned, and then it was eight shows with him, and then eight shows without him. So kind of like this middle part, you know, and obviously uh, this was '99 and. Um, uh, the Phil, uh, everything Phil involved, I think it was uh, uh, Kim Ock was on guitar and uh, I, you know, was at every sound check and every show made friends with, with Shiruki who was I think probably um, no, I think Shiruki was Bobby I can't remember who was doing uh the soundboard, but I would, you know, listen in the headphones by the soundboard and stuff. <laughs> so um, that was a long time ago, but it's t- 20 years ago. 20 Jesus, years, Jesus, yeah. You're right, you're right. God, that's hard to remember. You still buddies with Philly? You just played Terrapin Crossroads, right? Yeah, I, yeah we don't like texts and emojis to each other, but um, <laughs> but we, uh, uh, I, I, I played with them a couple times, and uh, the last time we played together was the best one, and I feel like... Uh, uh, it's a good closure. Where was that? Uh, at at his place. The most recent time you played. Yeah, it. he yeah. came out and played with you. I didn't even realize. He no, played. no, 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 no. I, I I did a set with the family band, or or, or a night with the with the Graham and. Uh, was Lee Boots on that one too? Ross James. Uh Ross was on it. I don't. Levo could have been on it. I, I'm not. I don't remember. Uh, but uh, it, it was the best one. Out of like the uh, the uh, the four I did with him, are you and Weir still in touch? No, no, uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time. Um, uh, every time I see him, he's surrounded uh, by other folks, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to be that guy. Well, but. the last time we talked, I kind of garbled what I tried to say to you. But when you guys toured together in '07, uh-huh. and he was coming out with you and doing the stuff at the end of yeah, your set, yeah, yeah, you like. His acoustic playing sharpened up after that. It seemed to like re-energize his interest. Oh, in good. And then I think the technology thing happened right after that, where he's got that new technology that he endorses that makes the acoustic sound real rich in the big rooms and stuff like that. Okay. So, 
you were part of all that, man. I'd love to see you and Bobby do more stuff. Oh, also, we would... talked about the crawl space last time, but that was a completely different crawl space. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably right after the Jamaica trip where the crawl space came yeah. from. <laughs> and I, I misinterpreted, and then we asked her, and then I inter- figured out what oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So it made for a nice well, moment in that interview, too. Now yeah. that she's got her little boy, you know, yeah, she's... I imagine she slips into the crawl space occasionally, but well, she was at Strings and Soul, and uh, she didn't. She didn't do that though. But her and Natalie had a bake off, and she won. Natalie Crossman, and they, I mean, they they went into the uh, the kitchen there at the the resort, right? Spent like within spent in two days, they spent probably a good three hours in the kitchen there. Wow. I felt so bad. I'm like, Allie. Uh, Mally, I'm so sorry. I mean, at this activity, I thought it would be fun, but I didn't want you to take that much time out of your vacation. But they were probably into it. Allie looked at me and goes, are you kidding me? I had the best time ever. Oh, and good, she was like, good. she loved being able to do that. Good. That's cool. <laughs> you played Strings on Soul, right? I have. Seems a natural. I, well, I, I'm not, it's been a minute. Yeah, I've been, it's been a couple years since I've been. I think uh, me and the Keels were the last time. I think I did it once with the Travel McCurries as well. One, one quick thing about the keels. You, your initial intention was to keep it rare mm-hmm. so that it would be special every time. Mm-hmm. Are you ever rethinking that, doing more regularly with them? I think we've got a bunch of shows on the bill, uh, on the dock for, the, for 2020, you know, trying to the – idea, the idea was to um, definitely push it as a festival act for 2020, you know, uh, as another excuse to hang out with them more. Um, and to, and to, to have the record done by a, a certain time, so you know the festival folks can start looking at our, you know, their third tier uh, acts, which is kind of where we fall in around you know, January, February. Every, the first tier, second tier is usually like you know September, October, November. The, the festivals have their headliners, you know, and then kind of fill it in in the in, earlier in the year. So we're still we're still a bit hopeful. Uh, to pick up some more work this summer, but yeah, that's the idea. With is is to mainly a, a festival act for the summer. Man, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Floyd Fest. To Keller is a huge part of Floyd Fest now. Something that started with a Greg Allman cancellation, and now you're like Tim O'Brien at Merle Fest, <laughs> putting together these. Well, that and Lockins very similar. like on the fly jam sessions, right? Well, no, they're definitely far from on the fly. The oh, okay. uh, the uh, uh, the first one. That was on the fly. That was definitely on the fly, but every, but since the first one, they really liked it, and uh, uh, as soon as they have a lineup, you know, for the day that we're playing, which is several months out, they give me a list of bands of who's there, and and they give, you know, there's people that are doing it where they're, they're like, oh yeah, he's doing it, she's <laughs> she's doing it. I'm like, all right, you got it. You got it, uh, but yeah, it's I'm I'm honored to be a part of that. And there were so many years that I tried to get on that festival and and couldn't, and then I just got uh, welcomed in. It's really really fun. No, beautiful, can, beautiful beautiful place too. Do you want to end with a song? <laughs> Good old bluegrass addicts. Bluegrass addicts. I saw you do that at Cannery once, man. It brought the house down. Addicts. Oh, addicts, right. <laughs> Full of clouds 
that went over the crowd when they started yeah. singing that yeah that was so ooh, I get chills um I just real quick we never talked about leo kaki we tried to we want keller fans we tried to get lou in here yeah get that rare lou moment because um the three of you you and leo and lou drove around a lot yeah 
Just yeah. real quick, any reflections, memories of that, any, any stories that Leo told you? He is such a, he can really spin a yarn, can he? Well, um, I'm a huge fan of Michael Hedges, and he and Michael Hedges did a giant uh, uh, several shows together. So I've got so many amazing uh, insights on on him, and that was really uh, priceless. Um, I guess one of my favorite Leo stories was uh, Leon Redbone. I uh, did a lot of shows around the country, around the world, opening for Leon Redbone. Leon Redbone. Yeah. Um, and uh, he did a thing where he just stopped and put on like a, shined a light uh, on the screen behind him. Leon would do uh, like a, a hand puppet uh, to like a German opera. And, and, and he would have like a perfect woman's mouth you know, singing, and she, and and he would do the uh, you know the um, hand puppet thing to this German opera, and then at the end of the note, where the at the end of the song, where the where the woman goes to the high note and just really like hits the high note, he kind of like dis you know uh, disjoints the the jaw, you know, and and like that, and and the whole crowd just freaks out, and. Uh, <laughs> Later on, Leo was trying to get him to do that again, and he would go, no, 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 I'm not good. These people aren't right uh, uh, Another one, real quick, was um, he told me this uh, in a Waffle House. We were sitting. Uh, we came home. One of the very rare nights that he actually came home with us after that gig. Usually he would open. we start at 8, and uh, we'd finish the encore for his set at like 9.15, and then he'd be in, usually in in a car by the promoter uh, at 9.30 going to the hotel. And one of the rare nights that he was actually in our car was uh, you know, the, there was a Waffle House by the hotel. And I'm like, eh! you know, I just my normal self at that moment, not used to having Leo in the back. And I was like, Leo, let's go Waffle House, man. Let's go Waffle House. And he's like, okay, I'll go. And so we went to the Waffle House at like midnight, twelve thirty, and uh, and he was sitting there, and and uh, he said uh, he was on tour with Lyle Lovett, and they were all in a bus, and I think Lyle had maybe flown to the next gig or something like that, and the band stopped at a Waffle House, and uh, another bus pulled in next to it. And uh, I guess the people on that bus inquired on, about the first bus, and apparently in comes Lowell George and, and finds Leo and f- figures out Leo was in. Uh, who's 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 it? It's a uh, uh, it's the band. The guy's gone. It's like Leo Conkey, and then and then I'm like, what? And so Lowell George came in to the Waffle House and sat down next to Leo uh, in a random Waffle House where the tour buses came. So. That's just one of a couple that I remember. Uh, as great as it is to play with Leo, that no monitors when you're sitting in with him, right? Right. Yeah. Were you? Were you? Okay? I mean, how how did you roll with that? Oh, that seems um, difficult. No, it it Leo attracts the kind of uh, respectful crowd that is, you know, doesn't shout or whistle or listen or or I mean, doesn't shout or scream or anything. You know, it's very pin drop silence, and that was one of the really the inspirations behind it was trying to 
teach my audience to react differently in different environments and try to pick up on his crowd. And they, for the most part, they did? They didn't, no. But oh. they... <laughs> um, they did here in Atlanta. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. Uh, this is the Variety Playhouse. I don't necessarily really want them to change, you know, uh, <laughs> well, necessarily. Just for song gigs, why not? But yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, uh, you know, he. Um, I forgot what was going with that, but like, like simple things like whistling, you know, uh, he uh, damaged his hearing in a submarine in the Navy, and um, and so he like he's very sensitive to certain frequencies, and so that's why he doesn't use monitors. But in oh, 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 the quiet audience, in a, in a nice hall that he plays, usually it's, you know, nice listening room. And, and if there's slap back, you know, then that could, that's a real problem. But usually the halls are real nice and the volume's low enough to where he can hear the house. And um, uh, the first couple gigs, I just had in-ears, you know, uh, in-ear monitors. So like, there wasn't, you know, I had full-on, you know, but then he didn't like that because he felt like he couldn't talk to me. So uh, I got into it, you know, and um, I would play a baritone guitar on a couple songs. And uh, and it was really cool because you could really hear the house and I could really get close. And and he liked that, too, because it's like we're playing off each other. Uh, so I dug it. I dug it. You know, I definitely couldn't do it all the time, uh, nor would he ever allow that i think those 25 shows were were more than enough for him and uh, i i look at it as an amazing experience i tried to extend that tour during the tour you know we were getting offers uh for west coast stuff you know and i was like leo let's go let's go play uh, like portland and seattle and like bellingham and he's like oh no no 20 27 27 shows is fine well we're not doing more than 27 no we're done <laughs> And it was like 13 in, you know. <laughs> no, he's he's great. I've I've played Minneapolis since then. And he's come down to the show uh, during uh, sound check and uh, and hung out and played guitars and stuff. Never hangs for the show, but he's he's definitely uh, comes down. Uh, he came down recently. Was, he's I, I'm not sure how his health is in the past in the past year. I think he's canceled some shows, but. He, uh, like me, you know, he doesn't have a backup plan, and, and nor does he really have to work. Uh, but I think it, it something would really be missing in his life if he didn't, you know. He endures as one of my favorite acoustic musicians ever. But yeah. You've been so generous with your yes, time. Yes, thank I you I told so you much. last time we would talk longer next time, and I think we, we, we did. Yeah. That. That's good. That's this good. Is, this it worked is, out. I, I like this uh, dark room we're sitting in. Yeah. Know, it's a dark Pete Chan interview. Yeah, well, it, we were going on the light of day, Seth. Oh, uh, yes, yes. And now it is dusk. <laughs> <laughs> but your music's so important, but so is your spirit, man. Your spirit oh, thank is you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, you guys. Walk to the world before Not early know where we're going Didn't get about my road Christmas Day 
one and we got a little zambi in there too didn't we and three performances so cool of him to do that next time we'll get the um uh uncle disney too we almost accidentally got an uncle disney out of him too but i didn't want to push three was enough you know folks remember these artists typically when we interview them they have shows coming that night so a lot of these artists don't want to do performance because of that and that's totally understandable i'm just saying the ones that are willing to do it for us we're very grateful because i think it makes it a little more special and it helps when their publicist is behind uh, making it happen. So big thanks. Yes. Keller Williams has a great publicist. I call it a, one of the pops. What That's do you mean by that? A podcast aware publicist. Not one of these pips. One of these threatening pips. We had one threaten me lately. Recently, Seth. But We're not going to talk about that, but we will say another again, story for another a big day. Thank you to Margaret Willard, who's with All Eyes Media yeah. for not only helping us with this, but she gets podcasts the, and, and their roster is great. If, you, if you're a band and looking for publicist, I would definitely tell you all to check out check out All Eyes Media. Everything from, well, Amanda Shires, who you didn't see last night, right? I know. Uh, JJ Gray and Mofro. You got... The uh, Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. Oh, you've got. Uh, that was, need you, do you need to say any more? Old Crow Medicine Show. They should, they've and got Rob's Isbell. favorite band, the Mavericks. I do like the Mavericks. I wouldn't say my favorite. They're great, great hard rock and country. Um, I do want to also say before we get into our closing stuff. Um, In closing, no, not yet. Go ahead. Jim, when we do these interviews, I kind of step back and leave the artists alone, and maybe go back after the show, maybe slip out. You know, kind of. It's like we've had our time. Let other people have their time with them. Folks, see, I told you in public, people are like, how do you deal with Rob? Because uh, you, can, you can maintain him a little bit from getting backstage. And also, the, the way to deal with me is just t- tell me to get away because I'm, I'm the easiest guy to get rid of. So just tell me to go away. I'll go away. No. I just, know a lot of women that have taken advantage of they'll it. They'll just, you got taken advantage by women? No, they take advantage of that. They could just say, get away, and I don't, yeah. I'm not going to force myself on them. Right, ever. but they take Once advantage. Once they get the green light, look out. But, but until then, nope, nope, nope. But they did take advantage. You get, you see. Yeah, I'm taking advantage of the fact that I'm hideous. But so he invited. He was like made a point. Please come back at the set break. And then when I went back, he was all excited. He got up. We went over. He huddled. We talked about Ted Tour for about 15 minutes and a bunch of other stuff. He's just a great guy. And then was able to bring T Dog back after the show. And thank you, Keller, for being so welcoming, so generous with your time and performing for us and uh, and for our listeners. More importantly. Yeah, I hope you all enjoy it. Let us know what you think. You can always, uh, well, I mean, I'll ask you here and I will ask you again. Please take a minute, go on to uh, iTunes and leave uh, leave some reviews. Spotify if you can, or anywhere you can. But we appreciate the love and support. Five-star reviews. We're starting to get more and more of them, but we, we need more. You know, We need any help we can get. We're not a big, we don't have a big company behind us. Like and we don't have major buttons. sponsors, but we do appreciate the sponsors we have. But listen, if you own a sock company, we need a sock sponsor. Rob's got holes that look like, well disgusting on his socks i can't believe how are you wearing those well, i'm about to throw them away but i don't i, don't, I like to use stuff until it's done but yeah, you turn no, it around done, you just dude. put the hole on the other side they're so done that deal. if you put 
are you going to end up like, well, they're not done yet. I'm going to actually take. No, this is the last pair. time I'm wearing them. I'm going to wear two socks and one foot. I kind of knew. I kind of wear them by design here because I know it aggravates Those are not you. Design. Oh, by that yes. design. Ugh, it's, it's funny design. to watch you get aggravated over socks. It's like, come on, do you have any adversity in your life? You can really get bent by socks. But tell us, Seth, didn't you? There's something going on. There's like an auctioneering program that you applied to, and not only were you accepted, but it seems like they're excited about accepting you. Uh, is this well, true? This is a pretty cool <laughs> thing, folks. I mean, this, I'm seriously, this is a, a great thing. Seth, as I predicted, by the way, he is crushing the auctioneering world. Your auctioneer, Seth well, Weiner. Thank you. I'm very honored because I was recently awarded the prestigious scholarship to the National Auctioneer Association Certified Auctioneer Institute. So, like, what's that, right? Right. So it's called CAI. It's a three-year program in which attendees spend a week. Slow down. It's a three-year program, Rob. So attendees spend a week each year together in Indiana University where we're going to learn different things about different types of auctions. Uh, the focus of the focus is really on business planning, right? You're with all these different types of auctioneers and trained by all of the best of the best auctioneers, you know? And so there's a big focus on the development of your business, the structure, et cetera. And from very, very, very successful auctioneers, I'll call it the top gun of auctioneering. And you've mentioned in the past that compared to other industries you've worked in, that there's a camaraderie between auctioneers. Big time. So you think this, this program will be the same way and kind of an extension or an amplification of that? Yeah. And I also think that as being your auctioneer and this is the kind of, this is the opportunity that propels me into being able to be the auction here. You know what I'm saying? Like when it comes to, uh, well, anyway, the point is this is this is the great projection for my career, and and it's and it's it's honoring and humbling that the association is taking notice of of my potential. Because I also want to give back to that. You know, I I, I, I see being able to be an educator in the uh, auctions. You know, it, it gives seminars if that's it or be a speaker at the uh, conferences in the future and help other people. You know, like the thing I did with wet, you know, I'm all, I'm always about giving back and, and, and helping people achieve their goals. And it's kind of neat. So a whole new era in the Seth uh, life coming up. We also want to let you know, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up. John from further and um, who's now a permanent member of Jerry, the JGB, excuse me, not Jerry Garcia band, JGB. We should be releasing the Railroad Earth at some point pretty soon. Yeah, I feel we like have to find out when the record. Check in on that, don't we? We want to release that as soon, right when the record comes out. Yeah. And I'm headed to Asheville for a week. Got yeah, a, would you say you got a light trip coming up? Yeah, I got, I'm going to visit an old buddy, but also I'm going to see Kevin Castles. And we're doing some interviews with the guys. One's going to be a deep dive into early Umphreys. Um, one is going to be their first, the first big interview with Ben Facta, the new line director, who he and I have already struck up a text conversation. We've already talked on the phone. We're going to talk on the phone again tomorrow. And then a third, I've thrown two or three different ideas of the band and they're going to decide, but the third will be, uh, either with Jake or Chris mm-hmm. probably. So then this is all in the winter In the summer, I hear you're doing something with Kevin as well. You're doing interviews on the beach. It's going to be called Sandcastles. Okay. Castles made of Kevin. Yeah, I was thinking Castle Made of Sand, and I, I ruined that joke, too. Folks, if you want to hear a good joke, probably don't listen to me on this podcast. But, folks, if you like what I do with Kevin Castles, please let him know, because he's not used to this, and I think he's excellent, and he needs to know from you from you friggin' he's um so fans. so knowledgeable. Don't, I mean, 
don't, he really don't is. just skin over that. Like, he, yeah, I mean, people might not recognize the name, but uh, he's not. He goes back to the fish almanac. I mean, right. Farmer's almanac. Far, yeah, Andy Bernstein handed it over to him. He's also the kind of guy who does extreme deep dives into bands like the dead. He's like gone through the whole career. I love the dead. I could not do that. And Jarno does stuff like that where they'll listen to a whole bunch of shows right in a row. I, you know, I love you, Grateful Dead, but I get sick of you. I get the, you're like you. Thirty you, years you listen ago, as I could. much music. You just need it to be. I have to listen to a variety. Even my favorite. I mean, the Umphreys is the one I can listen to the most, and that's partly because I'm excited about doing stuff with them, and yeah. they're so welcoming to us. That, and I'm starting to meet more and more. Well, the their show's fans. welcome to it. I mean, I'm happy that you're going out there and able to to bring some more content to the show. So, Rob, thank you for doing that. I'm excited to hear that interview, and I hope our listeners are as well. We have got a lot in store for everyone. I think that we're we're back now. I feel like uh, I feel like we're back. We've had some issues. Um, we, we we've got some uh, knots that need to be tied, some eyes that need to be dotted. But we, things are going on that I think uh, I think we're going to be able to do that. So we appreciate your patience. And when we get this train rolling, the, where it needs to be, uh, well, t- just just put it simply. Can I say uh, sure. we're, we're at a place now where we just took a minute to slow down to get more organized to lay down more tracks so that when the train goes, it flows. It'll be a slow burn. All right. Speaking of which, <laughs> hey, this outro music, great job uh, on all this music selection tonight, Rob. You pulled it from. We had to use the soundboard, but Lou, who works with Keller, who's sick of me going Lou, but he does such an excellent job with the soundboards. He moves the sound around and stuff. So put the headphones on, uh, spark up, have a cup of coffee, and enjoy Keller Williams from Terminal. All this music, except for. No, all the music has been from Terminal West, December 28th, 1919. 1919? 2019. <laughs> it's all this cheating in baseball that has me oh thinking about 1919. All right, bye, everyone. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. I appreciate you. That's all. I'd like to tell you a true story right now told by my friend Tanya Lazimbi Jackson. She sings in a band called More Than Little as well as Grateful Gospel. And she told me this story and I put it to music and it's all true. So dig it. She went down in Atlanta getting funky with the plunk, hey. Man stood behind her, did not have a single Monday. He was making it rain with the ones and the fivers. First, 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 first. He was making it rain, making it rain, making it, making it rain, making it rain, making it, making it rain, making it rain. Making it rain, making it rain. Making it rain, making it rain. Making it rain, making it rain, making
shape head I can't provide that's what she said he said by the way true story she said here's my cell number my pager number my home number my office number she said and I quote are you gonna give me your mama's number down in Uganda he said do you require that she said fuck yeah I'm gonna call your mama down in Uganda Call up your mama down in Uganda Tell her that you're making it rain I'm gonna call up your mama down in Uganda Call up your mama down in Uganda Tell her that you're making it rain Making it rain, making it rain Call your mama
story. When we're all together, we don't need a thing, that's right, except for food and water and wine and weed, coffee, gray goose and nicotine. When we're all together. Sorry, y'all. I'll pay more attention, sir. You can back that ass up into me with your truck. Beep, 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 beep. Long as you let me be wherever you are. What the fuck? Whack me with the frying pan. Long as you let me be your man so we can dance right here. You can punch me in the gut With your prison shift, my skin you can cut As long as you understand It's all a part of my evil plan Just to dance right here all night
can shoot me with your legally concealed gun As long as you let me get some You beat me and bang me like a drum That kind of sounds like fun, let's just dance Right here You can kiss me on my bottom lip Let me leave with my hands on your hip You can squeeze me till I turn blue Baby, just do what you got to So we can dance right here all night Let's just dance. 